Thank you so much for joining us for this journey through the book of Romans by Pastor Sumiko Stroud of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located in Bremen, Georgia. To find out more information about our ministry, just log on to www.kingdomrock.org. And now here is Pastor Sumiko Stroud with Part 9, Journey Through the Book of Romans. All right, so today we're going, we're in Romans still, of course. We're going to cover, uh, we're going to be very industrious today, and we're going to cover chapters 9, 10, and 11. Now, if you've read those chapters, they seem to be um, like a little bit of a, where'd you throw this in there for, kind of thing. Because the first eight chapters, we've, Paul has introduced himself, and, and he's talking about uh, salvation is not through works, but it's through grace. And we've learned about being justified, and we've learned that salvation is available to everybody. But when we get to chapter 9, he opens it up by talking about the great heaviness and sorrow in his heart uh, for his brethren. Now, if you remember when we talked about uh, the introduction to Paul, who are his brethren? He's a Hebrew, right? So we're going to do a little history lesson. Um, I think all of us in here may be aware, but just in case there's somebody listening who's not exactly sure what that means, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Who are these people that he's talking to now? Well, they're called Israelites, or children of Israel, also called Hebrews, also called Jews. Now, Jews, at one point, that term only referred to those who were from the tribe of Judah. And when we say tribe of Judah, what we mean is there was a son whose name was Judah, and all of his descendants from him were considered his tribe. So at one point, when we made reference in the Old Testament to Jews, we were only talking about his descendants. Uh, and then there was a split in the nation of Israel, which we'll, we'll talk about who those, uh, who the nation of Israel is. Uh, there was a split and there was part of the kingdom was called Israel and part of the kingdom was called Judah. And it was composed of, I think, two or three, three or four different tribes. And then all of them were considered Jews. Well, now when we talk about Jews, where these words are used synonymously, Jews, Hebrews, Israelites, the same. Now, so then that gets us that, but then we need to know who we mean when we talk about the nation of Israel. In Genesis, and I don't think I brought my notes that I had. I think it's chapter 12. Let's flip right quick when we know where it started. Genesis chapter 12. Uh, You will see where God calls a man named Abram. And he tells him to separate himself from his family to a land that he's going to give him. And he promises him prosperity in lands and, and that his descendants are going to be God's chosen people. Okay? So that's where we, that's going to be the Israelites. So he's, he's making that call to Abram at that time. Abram's wife's name was Sarai. He was about... 75 years old. Now, the thing about this promise that God was giving him that was so unbelievable to Abram at the time was what? He had no children, right? So if somebody tells you, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, and you're like, well, I'd be happy being the father of one child first, but that's where our faith comes in. And that's why when we talk about faith, 
uh, later on in the Bible where we talk where Abram comes in because he stepped out on faith. And there are lots of other things that go on, and you can read about that in Genesis. And at one point, his name is changed from Abram to what? Abraham. And there's a little um, Sunday school song that goes, Father Abraham has many sons, right? Many sons as Father Abraham. So Abraham, Father Abraham, is that he's the father of the Israelites, of God's chosen people. Now, I know as parents, we say, I don't have any favorites. I love my children all the same. But God chose a favorite. Anything wrong with that? He's God. (laughs) He has his reasons uh, that are too high for us to understand. And so he looked through time and he selected this particular group that were going to be his chosen. And the, uh, this group was chosen in that they had his covenant, um, his laws, his promises, um, his presence, his service, in that they had uh, the temple and the way to worship, the way that God wanted to be worshipped was given to them, okay? Not to the surrounding nations. All right, so Abraham finally does have a son. And what's his name? Not quite. His firstborn, Ishmael, right? Because Abraham still believes when God says, you're going to have a son. But when he told him that, he didn't necessarily say that you and your wife, Sarah, would have the son. And so when years go by, 10 years or so, and they still haven't had a son, uh, Sarah's going, okay, well, maybe the promise is not through me. Maybe it's just through you. You can take my handmaiden and y'all go in and, and y'all have a child together. And perhaps that will be the child uh, that the blessings, that the promise is going to come through. And so they have that child and his name is Ishmael. Is he the promised child? No, he's not. Because God says, well, no. And sometimes we can do that, can't we? God can give us a word for how something is going to play out. Now, Abraham, wait, they waited 10 years. Some of us, what, two weeks? And then we're like, okay, maybe I need to make this happen. (laughs) God promised me this thing. I don't see it coming. So maybe there's something I need to do. And so we get involved and we cause a little problem because this caused some problems in the household, right? Uh, His mom and Sarah have have a falling out. There's some issues that that come as a result, as always is, uh, when we introduce our, our, our thing into the mix of what God has told us. There's some problems that come. So then we have another, what's it, roughly 14 years uh, before we finally get Isaac. And Isaac is the son of Abraham, and Sarah's name, Sarai's name becomes Sarah, meaning princess, Abraham, father of many nations. And so here we have the promised child. So when we say Israelites, God's chosen people, uh, the seed of Abraham, we're not even talking about all of his children. Because he has Ishmael. After a while, uh, when Isaac is about 40, I believe, Sarah dies. Abraham remarries. Her name is Keturah. And they have kids. He's old. He's very old. But they are still having children. So they have several other kids. So his physical seed is, you know, is more than just Isaac. But of what God has chosen, the spiritual seed that he's talking about, comes from, comes through the line of Abraham, through the line of Isaac, who eventually marries 
a young lady named Rebecca, and she has twins. First, she goes quite a while um, without having any children at all. So they're a little bit later in life. I think he may be 60, maybe 60. By the time they finally have children, he prays, Lord, you know, bless my wife with children. And so she finally does get pregnant with twins. I'm sure you recognize these names. Esau and Jacob. Now, there's sort of a pattern going on here. Because typically, who would be the one that inherited uh, the property, that inherited the one who's going to take over after a parent dies, is usually the elder son. But are we seeing how God doesn't necessarily do what we think he should do? You notice that? Because Ishmael was the elder son, but Isaac was the promised son. Esau was the elder son and that he was the twin born first, but God told him even before they were born, he told um, the parents that the younger, um, that the older would serve the younger. And that's exactly what happens. And so we see that the line of the chosen goes from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And so when we talk about um, the Hebrews, the Israelites, God's chosen we are talking about those through this lineage. And that is uh, eventually where the lineage of Christ comes from. Now, Jacob has 12 sons. And I am not going to list their names on the board <laughs> today. But he has 12 sons. And those sons become known as the tribes, the 12 tribes uh, of Israel. Now, where does the term Israel come in? There is a point in Jacob's history where his name is changed from Jacob which means supplanter, uh, to Israel. And so when we say the children of Israel, this is what we're talking about, the descendants here. We all together on that? So when we're in chapter 9, and Paul is talking about how he is grieved for his brethren, these are the people that he's talking about. Because these were God's chosen people. They were given... Um, the promises and the covenant with God. Now, when Jesus came as the Messiah and the law and the prophets foretell a Messiah coming, but when he came, what happened? They rejected him. They were not ready for a Messiah in the terms in which he came. They were ready for some physical deliverance from Rome, but they were not ready for some spiritual deliverance, which was what Jesus came bringing, a fulfillment of the law. He came to let them know that there's no more business as usual. Things are going to be done a different way. I'm fulfilling the law that you were given. And so now salvation comes through grace. We believe on Jesus and the work of the cross and we are saved that way. But they were not looking for that because they were happy with the way things were. Why wouldn't you be? I'm part of his chosen. I've been given the covenant with him. We know how he wants to be worshipped, how he wants to be served. We have the temple. Uh, no one else does. We have this you know, plan. We're good. Uh, they were so content with their law that they even added some. You know, they were added a few traditions. Uh, to, you know, sort of round things out a bit. So they were not prepared or they were not looking for the kind of salvation that Jesus was offering. And so the Jews rejected him. 
Now, that's good news for us because I don't know about you all, but I cannot trace my heritage to either of the 12 tribes of Israel. And I would fair to say there's probably not any of us in this room that can. Well, what did that mean? If you were not Jew, then you were Gentile. You were not part of God's chosen. But salvation now is available to everyone. But when Jesus came, he came preaching to the Jews. And when the Jews rejected him, then the gospel became available to the Gentiles. Now, in the early church, the Gentiles would first have to convert uh, to Judaism and be Jewish proselytes uh, before they could then become Christians. We don't have to do that today, okay? (laughs) We don't have to do that. Okay, so once uh, the Jews uh, rejected Jesus, then we have in, I believe it's in chapter 11, you see the example of a tree. Now, my artwork is probably going to be even worse than Pastor Stroud's, so you just keep your comments to yourself. Okay, so we have this tree, and we have the roots of the tree, and we have Abraham and the patriarchs, which is um, Jacob, Isaac, all of them. Okay, and from this we have branches. We have some branches here. And it talks about when the Jews, when the Hebrews rejected uh, Jesus as the Messiah, their branches, these branches were cut off from the life of this tree. And we have over here this wild tree, wild olive vine sort of growing. I don't know what an olive tree looks like. But it's wild and untamed. That's us. That's the tree we were a part of. But when, because God is so gracious and so faithful, when these refused to believe, these branches were cut off, and those over here that chose to believe were grafted in. Okay. And then Paul goes on to tell them, but now don't get the big head, so to speak, because you know sometimes we can. I, we receive it, because some people even do it now. I don't see how the Jews don't accept Jesus. They have all the law. They know it. They taught it from when they're young, and they have the word of God, and they know that he was coming, and, and he fulfills all these prophecies, and I don't see how they don't receive him. Just be grateful that when you heard the gospel, your eyes and ears were open, and we were able to be grafted in. But Paul tells them, hey, b- lest you get beside yourself, Remember that had they not rejected Christ, you would not have been given the opportunity. And if God will remove from the tree uh, branches of his chosen, how much more will he remove those engrafted in if his chosen then choose to believe? Okay? So we don't want to take things for granted. Um, It is by his grace, right, that we are able to be saved. And so that is just a little illustration of what that is. But then he goes on to let us know, well, so now what becomes of his chosen? Do we just say, is it, did God make a mistake? I hope your answer is no. Whenever we read something, if it sounds like God made a mistake, then what I would implore you to do is pause a minute, read it again (laughs) for some understanding. 
So since these are his, his chosen and they rejected him, now not all of them uh, did. There are some Jews, um, you know, part of the early church that did receive him as the Messiah. There are some Jews now that have received him as the Messiah. But what he tells us, what Paul goes on to tell us, is there will become a time in the future where there will be a remnant. There will be more of them uh, that turn to the Lord, who will recognize that Jesus is in fact the Messiah, and they will receive him as such. And to remind us that because they are part of his chosen, you remember, not all of Abraham's seed, right? It were those through Isaac. So there will be some who will not uh, receive him as Messiah, but there will be those that will. And so when we talk about the nation of Israel, when we talk about praying uh, for them, this is what we're talking about. We are praying that those people, uh, because there is so much going on with them, uh, have been rejected, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, that we are praying that they will turn their hearts to him that they will see him for who he is. Um, and there's a, a section in there where Paul talks about, first, in order to be saved, we have to believe. Right? All of us had to. First, we had to believe. Is that right? I before E? Right. Okay. First, we had to believe. Well, in order to believe, we had to do what? We had to hear. First, we had to hear the word of God. It had to be in our hearts. Uh, we could hear it, and then from there we could believe it. Well, how do you hear something? Well, somebody has to tell you, right? Right? Um, and not just anybody can teach you. Have you ever noticed that? You can, have you ever been in a room where somebody clearly knew the subject matter, clearly did not know how to teach it to somebody else? And it can be very confusing. I've even had things where I, I knew what I was talking about. I knew I could do it, but I couldn't necessarily get that information to somebody else. And so we can't uh, first receive, we can't receive until we believe. We can't believe until we hear. We can't hear until we're taught. And we can't be taught unless someone is sent. <clears throat> this is what evangelism is all about. Now we've heard and we believe. Now it's important to us to sort of continue the process, to, to send that out to others. So uh, what we do now is that we, um, it says how beautiful are the feet of those that carry uh, the gospel. Now remember we're talking about a time frame where messages were, you know, by messenger. You couldn't just fax over some information, you couldn't call somebody. They had to send a messenger, not even bicycle messenger. They were, you know, on foot. So when a messenger came and they had good news, uh, they would say, how beautiful are the feet? Because there would be people who could look off into the distance to see a messenger coming. And it was thought that even their whole posture, the way they were approaching, the way they approached was different uh, when you had a messenger bringing good news as opposed to one bringing bad news. Now, even today, if I had some good news for one of you, you could tell because I'd be all, ah, I can't wait to tell you, I can't tell you. But when somebody has some bad news to tell you, before they even say it, you kind of know. And they're like, we need to talk. And you're like, oh, God. 
And so when they say how beautiful are the feet, what they are saying is this is a messenger bringing good news uh, to us, and that is a beautiful thing. And so we are to do likewise that we have received uh, the, the gospel, the good news, and we have believed it, uh, that now we in turn take that out uh, and share it with someone else in hopes that they would believe as well. And so uh, this, you know, that, that evangelism to the Jews, but likewise also to the Gentiles. So when we pray for the Jews, what we're praying is that they would believe. Okay? Now, in a very surface form of nutshell, that gets us chapters 9 through 11. The quickest we've covered anything in this entire uh, book so far. But I want us to definitely understand the importance. These are God's chosen. Why? Well, that's his business. Am I offended? Nope. Because salvation is open to everyone. I can have a relationship uh, with him. Uh, and there's not a special heaven that they will go to that I will be excluded from. Right? So God does what he wills. He is the creator of us all. Uh, and those are his choices. And some people get bent out of shape about them. I really don't know why. You know, let God handle his business. And, and um, you know, there's, when we talk, and this is a little bit of, you know, there's a little mention of uh, election, uh, predestination in these chapters. You can go very deep in those. I didn't feel that necessary for our purposes in this class. But however deep you want to go, because remember, Sunday school is sort of to whet your appetite, um, just remember when you're going deeper in Bible study, whether it be in Romans, whether it be in anything else, always do so in a prayerful attitude. When you are um, using outside sources for information, always do so with a prayerful attitude. Because there are some uh, commentators that I use, and even in the ones that I use regularly, sometimes when they will make a statement, it will not necessarily agree with me, and I will think, I don't know. Either I don't have a complete understanding of what they're saying, or maybe I'm not at that point yet, or maybe they just got it wrong. Because they are people, right, like we are people. And sometimes you can think you have an understanding of something and you can make a statement or you can write it down and later on realize that maybe it wasn't completely right. Well, if it's written, you may not have the option to be able to go back and change it. right? So I want to encourage you to always, always, be prayerful in your Bible study time. Always pray before you open your Bible for understanding, for wisdom in the Scripture. And when you get something, if it doesn't sit quite right, then, you know, we can be honest with God. I just don't understand this. Can you help me? And sometimes we have to close it and walk away. Um, case in point, for this lesson, I had the hardest time that I have with any of the other in Romans. Now, why is that? What I gave you all today in roughly 20 minutes takes me um, many, many hours to get because I have to get an understanding of what I'm teaching. Uh, I have to learn the information and get an understanding of what I'm learning and then not necessarily all that I learn is what, that I, what I bring to the classroom to teach. 
And so there were some things, and I was like, I did that. And I'm like, Lord, every time I would open it to read, I'm like, oh, good grief. I just don't understand this. Let me just put this down and go and do something else for a while. And then I would you know, put something on to hear, and I'm like, oh, I don't even want to hear his voice. I don't know what he's talking about. But God is so faithful, right? He will be faithful to, if we just continue at it, give us an understanding. Uh, so what I want to definitely encourage you is uh, when you are having your Bible study, and I hope that you are uh, having a personal Bible study time, and it doesn't have to be anything real and, you know, like, oh gosh, I'm going to, you know, because I want to write a commentary on this afterwards. No, uh, the important part is that you are getting the word in you uh, because it's helping us to learn more about the character and nature of God. So it's about... Uh, establishing uh, or helping the fellowship. Do you remember we, tar- we talked about last week the difference between our relationship with God and our fellowship with him? Our relationship was established by way of being justified by faith. What we do from now on helps the fellowship. Okay, And so reading the Bible, reading the word of God helps us in our fellowship because have you ever had a person in your life, bless you, where you would have, you know, be in relationship with them. I'm sure we've all been in, we've all had relationships, uh, you know, child, parents, you know, spouse, whatever, sibling relationships. The more time you spend with them, the more you get to know them, the nature of your fellowship with them changes, right? It goes to a deeper level. Uh, and that's what happens with us with God. When we spend more time in reading his word, uh, reading the examples that are given us uh, through the Bible, even if it's something you've read before, when you go back and read it again, you'll be surprised at some things that you may have missed before. But what that does is it enhances our fellowship with him because we get to see him in, a, in different situations, how he responds. Um, we get to see how in different situations, uh, how people responded and interacted with him. And that helps us not because it goes to the core of our salvation, because it helps us with our fellowship. Okay? So I do encourage you, if you don't already, you know, come up with some kind of Bible study plan. And, it, you know, start out however small. If you say, I just want to read five minutes in my Bible today. That's good. Read those. Pray first. Lord, give me understanding. Um, and then, you know, go into it. And then after that five minutes, if you put it, you know, put it away, some days you'll find yourself not being able to put it away after five minutes. And some days you'll find yourself going, two more minutes to go. I can do this. I can do this. Because it's going to be a struggle. And why is it going to be a struggle? Because anything that helps you become a better person is going to be difficult to do. You know, exercise. The benefits of it are wonderful. Finding the time and the wherewithal to do it on a regular basis, it can be a struggle. So if you don't already have some kind of Bible study, and if you have to start out saying, okay, if, if you don't, you know, don't regularly pick up your Bible at all, fine, no shame in that. Um, don't, don't even worry about it. Don't get all bent out of shape because maybe somebody else in your house reads for hours. Um, I had problems with that when I was younger. Because I was 16 when I got saved. I lived in her house. That woman could walk the floor and pray for hours. And I'm like, okay, 
uh, our Father who art in heaven. Wonder what's going on? Are we doing? Oh, oh, wait. Stay focused. Stay focused. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for today. Today. Let's see what I have to do today after school. Oh no, no. Wait, wait, wait. You know, and she would just be like going at it, and I'm like, oh Lord, I am so not worthy. And that, you know, it bothered me, and I got to where I let what her relationship with the Lord be affect me. Now, I should not have done that. So now I'm telling you all, don't do that. There may be somebody in your house that can pray longer than you. There may be somebody who can pick up the Word. Have you ever tried to study uh, the Bible with Pastor Stroud? It is insane. Because I'm like, okay, we're going to read this chapter, and he will read the first verse. And we'll get like an hour worth of Bible study out of that verse. And I'm like, oh, dog, do I even know God? Because I didn't see that. (laughs) But we do things differently, which is why sometimes it's important to have your own Bible study uh, by yourself so that you don't get intimidated. So what I'm telling you is don't be intimidated by it because it is a blessing to because it will enhance your fellowship with God. So. We have to start somewhere. And if it is, if you just say, out of the next seven days, I, if, if you have to start with, out of the next seven days, I'm going to pick up my Bible at least once outside of church, and I am going to read something that somebody, not that somebody else told me to read, but I just want to read this for myself. And ever how long, and you pray first, Lord, give me wisdom, give me understanding of your word, and read it. And then the next time, you know, a little bit more and a little bit more. And if you fall off the wagon, so to speak, that's fine. If you think, oh gosh, I haven't picked up my Bible in weeks. That's okay. The Lord still loves us, right? You get up, you dust yourself off, and you go at it again. But keep in mind, our, our relationships uh, with the Lord are personal. The way that he and I interact with each other is going to be different than the way that, you know, Elder Ware and he interacts with each other. Is either one better? No. We're different people. And I'm just so amazed by a God who will interact with us in a way that, because I am, you know, peculiar in my relationships. And if you don't know that about me, you may misconstrue some things. You may think, she don't want to have anything to do with me. It's not that. I'm loving you from over here. We're good. If you need me, I'm there. Even though we may not hang out a lot, that's just the way I flow. <laughs> and so God and I have that understanding. And we, you know, walk and we commune with each other. And, you know, we're good. But I had to come to that understanding that this is my relationship with him, not Sister Norma's relationship with him that I try to copy. Right? It has to be something personal. Okay. I don't know where that came from or what that had to do with today. Didn't cost you anything, a little extra. Thank you guys so much for being a part of our Sunday school program. We're going to pick up next week with chapter 12. So if you haven't already read it, do so. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. 
Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.